Sonst könnte nicht der Bug der Brust dich blenden und dem leisen Drehen der Lenden könnte nicht ein Lächeln gehen zu jener Mitte, die die Zeugen trug. <lacht> It's terrible! Okay. We're just two crazy girls <lacht> talking about Rilke. Welcome to Pardon My French, a podcast with Cecile and Michelle, two friends from both sides of the Atlantic living in Maine, discussing language, translation, poetry, writing, movies, and the stupid, splendid, perplexing world around us. It may contain some bad words. You want to introduce today's topic? Yes, I do. Now, this is something that came about. Now, let me preface first by saying this is the most discussed uh, poem in translation probably of the 20th century. Oh, I have no <laughs> idea. That is so, so interesting. This, so, uh, again... I don't know what business it is of ours to also talk about it, but we're people in the world and um, we have a right to, uh, to think about things. Yeah. And we like poems and we like words and we like languages. So I think it's a perfect subject. Well, yeah, what, okay. what poem are we talking about, Michelle? <laughs> well, we're talking about <laughs> the archaic torso of Apollo by Rainer Maria Rilke. It's a poem that I, you know, I mean, it's very well known. And but I, every time I read it, it just blows me away. It's a really wonderful poem. There's a translation that I'm sort of familiar with. That's um, um, Stephen Mitchell's translation. He's a uh, a well-known translator, respected translator that um, you uh, will probably encounter uh, if you're reading translation. Uh, of any kind, and so um, when I so I was reading this uh, Philip Roth novella called *The Breast*, right, where he this is sort of Kafkaesque thing where he turns into a breast, <laughs> just your standard. Okay, <laughs> I turned I into a breast that tail. Okay, that sounds fun. And at the end of the book, which also surprised me because I hadn't flipped to the end uh, yet, and it, it ended with this this poem, which. Um, it was apropos of him sort of just being abreast and not a human anymore. Anyway, so I, but I read it and it was in this translation that was struck me as very strange because it was, it just didn't strike me the same way as I knew the poem. It was sort of grotesque and um, not as beautiful uh, and which I felt was sort of fitting with the sort of crass, um, odd Philip Rothian book that um, that it was included and so uh <clears throat> so i wonder if it was perhaps the translation at the time it was 74 i think uh when the the book came out or if it was something that was chosen particularly because it had that sort of grotesque edge to it so anyway i started thinking about um that the different uh translations and of course there are a bazil of this poem and they're all just so interesting and strange and makes you think about all the stuff that we think about when we think about uh translations yeah that's so interesting and so but we decided to focus on stephen mitchell's translations translation sorry 
because we can't study all of them today, that's true. right? Yeah, that's true. So we're just going to discuss this one. I mean, you're going to discuss it because oh. you have more skills <laughs> in in this topic, I guess. But it's so interesting. And um, do you want to start by reading the poem, maybe? Sure. We cannot know his legendary head with eyes like ripening fruit. And yet his torso is still suffused with brilliance from inside like a lamp in which his gaze, now turned to low, gleams in all its power. Otherwise, the curved breast could not dazzle you so, nor could a smile run through the placid hips and thighs to that dark center where procreation flared. Otherwise, this stone would seem defaced beneath the translucent cascade of the shoulders and would not glisten like a wild beast's fur, would not from all the borders of itself burst like a star, for here there is no place that does not see you. You must change your life. Wow, that's a really beautiful poem. Yeah, it gets me every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh I mean, we could do the, so we could, do you want to do the translation or do you want to just jump in and um, want me to say something about it? Um, I mean, that, I just, it, you can say something about it if you want. I think I just, it's for, to me, it's just so, and this is another thing, like, this is like so imbued in my uh, brain, you know, it's like, um, it's embedded kind of in me, the kind of the, the verse of it and everything, because I know it really well, but I'm thinking like, it's not even, that's not even like the words of Rilke, and I do sort of forget that, because, yes. Oh, you're, yes, Cecilia, you're, you have some thoughts? <laughs> no, I was just curious about in what context you heard or read this poem for the first time. Is it something you study in school or not at all, or just? Um, like, likely, uh, it's pretty anthologized. Um, uh, it's, um, I mean, uh, so... You know, if you in a in a graduate program, it'd be a lot of probably reading of the Duano elegies and um, the letters to a young poet is <clears throat> very widely read, which is Rilke's um, letters to a a, a young uh, man that was in the service and struggling with his um, uh, creative aspirations as a poet, and has it's really wonderful and has a lot of uh, um, uh, wonderful poetic. Uh, advice that he's um, uh, giving, and that's very popular. Um, for <clears throat> so, I've just I recently went to France. <laughs> I don't know if you, <laughs> know, you know that. I do know that. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and I went to the Rodin Museum, and I ended up reading a book called uh, "You Must Change Your Life," which is about Rodin and Rilke's relationship. And he was very influenced by Rodin, and that's this is certainly part of that. It's what was going through his mind um, at yeah. the time, not that this is a Rodin sculpture, the Apollo, uh, but um, but that was uh, something that was uh, was part of that uh, book too. So I was thinking about that a lot um, recently. Yeah. So um, I was looking for French translations as well, and I found several of them, and I just chose one that because it spoke to me. I don't know if it's the most famous or. I don't, I, I don't, I guess there's no like most famous translation, but, um, and it was interesting because we can see the same, the structure is the same, like four, four, three, three lines. And then, yeah, the rhymes yeah, were a, not, yeah, 
Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it, it, it's funny because, I mean, so I think this is like a Petrarchian um, sonnet rather than a Shakespearean sonnet. And it's not, that's not even exactly what it should be. That's kind of a thing that Rilke uh, decided to to do with it is to do the four four three three. So that was his own um decision and I guess that they yeah. stuck with that. So, that was yeah. that was easier to keep than the rhymes, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the French version doesn't have the rhymes, uh but it yeah, it kept the feeling and um so do you want me to read it? Yes. Um so I'm going to read the translation that was done by Jean Starobinsky in 2001, and it is called uh, Le Torse Archaïque d'Apollon. Nous n'avons pas connu sa tête inouïe où mûrissaient les prunelles, mais son torse rayonne encore comme un candélabre où son regard, d'une source plus reculée, se dresse et lui. Sinon, l'arc de la poitrine n'aurait pu t'éblouir, et de la calme torsion des lombes ne pourrait monter un sourire à ce centre qui portait le sexe. Sinon, cette pierre mutilée et raccourcie ne serait pas debout sous la chute transparente des épaules. Elle n'aurait pas ce flamboiement de pelage félin. Elle ne rayonnerait pas hors de toute borne comme une étoile. Car il n'est aucun point de sa surface qui ne te regarde. Il faut changer ta vie. Ah uh ah. -huh. To, to uh, ma change ta vie Wait, no, wait. What's the verb <laughs> Il faut changer. The, il faut changer. Il faut, oh, il faut changer. Yeah, uh, yeah you just, have to change your life. You have to change your life. Well, is there, could you say you must change your life? But actually... Or would you say that the same exact way? So I would say that from my little German memories, the way they say it in German means you must change your life. Exactly. And that's what Stephen Mitchell chose to do, right? You must change your life. But the French translation is more like... Il faut changer ta vie. This translator chose to translate it is, yeah, he doesn't say tu dois changer ta vie, which would be you have to change your life. So, yeah, I guess he kept the must. Okay. Um, so that would. Meaning, the meaning of must here. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's really the part that obviously slays me. It just, um, it's just so. It switches, right? It's like all of a sudden somebody's talking to you in your part of this poem uh, somehow, and it's really daring and stuff. Yeah, so we were both intrigued it's intriguing. by intriguing. Yeah, we were both intrigued by the fact Super. that uh, the English translation ends with the sentence "You must change your life," and if you look at the German one, uh, "Du musst dein Leben ändern." Uh, it says you must as well. So we recognize the do there that is that is you. That would be the equivalent of two in French, right? Okay. But you just noticed that when I read the French translation, I actually didn't say two. I said il faut changer ta vie. And the reason for that is because um, il faut is like a construction that is used as must. So when you say il faut, it just means must. So you would never use the pronoun. So if it's you, Michel, who must do something, or if it's your neighbor, your mother, or your dog, whatever, the sentence would always start with il faut. Yeah, yep. if it's so you, must, you have, it has to be il. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just the whole construct that replaces 
um, that replaces must. So you don't have the pronoun of the person there. So it's almost as if you were saying, I mean, you can translate it that way, but it, it's almost as if, as if you were saying one must change your life because we're yeah. not using the you there. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's yeah. yeah. That's but, kind of, you're, but you're saying when it is translated like that, there's still the same ambiguity that exists in the English translation, whereas just because it's the construction, you, they know that it still could be you, the the individual, or you, the universal you, either, either I, way. I, I think that because it says ta vie, which means your life, and it's tu, so your life yeah, as an individual, like I would say, yeah, you're addressing me or you're addressing one person. And that's another interesting point, right? Because yeah. in English, we don't have the difference between the singular you and the plural you. So you must change your life. Could be you, the reader, or could be another yeah. group of readers or like uh, whoever he's. So it's almost like the French is giving us a tip of the hat toward the individual, whereas the English, I still don't know. Is it you must me or we must? I, I don't know. Well, again, if you look at the German one, the German version does say du muss and du is the singular you okay so okay. it's just that the ambiguity exists only in english, in english. i would say and yeah. that's because you and that's actually a very interesting point because even in like normal literature like novels and all you 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 lose it i mean you don't yeah. have if you translate a french yeah. novel or a spanish novel or a german novel we all have this difference between the plural you and the singular you and the respectful you, right? Mm -hmm. Like the vous we have in French. And you totally lose it. So mm -hmm. that's already very fascinating to me. It is. Um, because the you, we're discussing it as if we don't know, but there is a ground zero. <laughs> it is, in fact, in German. And singular in you. it is singular. Yeah. Yes, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's, well, it's intriguing, at least. It is intriguing. It, it's, I think it's fascinating. This language thing is really, I mean, I hope, I don't know, maybe it's not for everyone, but even, even <laughs> let's that's, be honest, language isn't for everyone. I mean, yeah, it's not. I, I guess, like, numbers are not for everyone. I just random, <laughs> randomly chose numbers. I have, I have difficulties with numbers. Yeah. And words come easy to me. There's a song like that. Words don't come easy to, to me. me. Da, da, da. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, they do come easy to me. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm saying that. So I'm just saying this last sentence. I could spend hours on it, probably repeating the same thing over and over again. And over and over. Being redundant. <laughs> redundant. Oh, yes. And uh, whatever. But do we it's don't so interesting. We it's have so a pleogasm about it. Ple ple pleogasm? <laughs> pleogasm? That's a, 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 a pleogasm. Ple I don't know. I'm so attached to the uh, Stephen Mitchell. Um, I just, I maybe I'll just maybe I can read the um, the the one that was in the raw. raw. Yeah. Do you yeah. mind? Yeah. No, I don't. That's good because <laughs> it's so um, interesting. It's this M. D. Herder Norton. Uh, it's called Archaic Torso of Apollo. So this is M. D.'s. We did not know his legendary head in which the eyeballs ripened, but his torso still glows like a candelabrum in which his gaze only turned low, folds and gleams. Else could not the curve of the breast blind you, nor in the slight turn of the loins could a smile be running to that middle 
which carried procreation. Else would this stone be standing, maimed and short, under the shoulder's translucent plunge, not flimmering like the fell of beasts of prey. So it's completely different. Nor breaking out of all its contours like a star, for there is no place that does not see you. You must change your life. That is the ending it's is the so same. It's the, the body of it is so different. It's so... But so do you know the year of this Stephen Mitchell translation, actually? Do you know when it was know. translated? I don't have that. That would be interesting to know. Sure. I mean, he's a contemporary dude and translator. But it's interesting. Yeah. But that's interesting. So do you think, and I think the answer is obvious, but to be able to translate poetry, you have to be a poet yourself, right? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> when I was in graduate school, there were people that were doing translation just as a exercise, and they and they were not did not know the language. This is the other side of the coin, I guess. But they would just get the printout of the poem that was just printed word for word, and then sort of work on that from the English. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That's such an interesting and exercise. So fun, and I think probably more of an exercise to build your. Yeah, skills as a poet than anything. Yeah, but but that's really interesting. So you don't have to <laughs> so you don't have to know the language apparently to do it. I would certainly think you would have to be a poet for sure. Yeah. But so when we're reading a translation of a poem, we're actually reading the work. I mean it goes with every translation, but I feel like it's even more like highlighted in poetry because it's like we're reading the work of Two poets. Yeah, that's so true. Right? Like Rilke yeah. wrote the original and then Stephen Mitchell interpreted it in English. And it's so sad to me that this is amazing. We're reading this, but we'll never read the original. Like we'll never understand it. I know, I know. So... I feel the same. Like what I was saying, like I was walking around with this poem kind of in my body as if it's Rilke's poem or something and it's not but it's, it's not it's so like these are his lines and they're part of me and it's like no of course that's yeah, not true I know that's that's yeah they're like M Mitchell's words right yeah I mean it's you can of, see the power and yeah, agency course, he has obviously. over yeah the, it, yeah it's a it's quite the strong hand they're like this other one who's got the I, mean, we don't, I don't have to read it or anything, but it says that the end is re is reform. I For know. nowhere is a place that does not stare at you and say reform. That is really a complete... like, kill, that, like slaughters me dead. I can't. I, can't, I just can't. <laughs> like, please, I know. No. And then like there's a li there's literally an exclamation point after before. Reform is so, an like, exclamation point. I know. He's changing the oh whole my... dynamic of the poem. That is so crazy. How can you do that? Like, I, I don't know. It's... That's interesting, too, that the line is imbued with an urgency without that exclamation point. I guess maybe but that's where that must is coming from. I think it's a very difficult work because when you translate, it's really hard sometimes to also stay, new stay neutral, you know? And I mean, in poetry, it's even worse. But when I translate some stuff, sometimes, I read the original, and I'm supposed to translate it exactly the same. But sometimes, I feel like the sentence could be a little better. So instead of translating exactly the verb they used, I'm like, yeah, but in French, this other verb that means the same, but not exactly, but like has more nuance to it, you know? 
would sound better. Yeah. But then do you have the freedom to do that? Do you have the right to do that? Like, I right. don't know. That's, that's, you... a, that's really hard to decide. And so I feel like this other translation, this person was like, this is, this is how I feel this poem. I want to say right, reform right. and let's reform. And, <laughs> and he just like had gave this freedom to himself, I guess. Right. When you're, I would say you would say that the, your, um, your loyalties to the writer that you're translating first and foremost, I would think, for your particular... Especially book. if it's going to be published in a Rilke translation book afterwards and it's going to be... Right, right. You're not like this uh, person doing this as a hobby. You're just, everybody's going to read it. So it's a lot of responsibility. Right. I mean, I can see that how that line could strike people different ways. Like, what is it? You know, it's like, um, you know, you should definitely get a different career or <laughs> like maybe look into that divorce exclamation point. Or yeah, whatever. Like, what I is know. It? <laughs> I know. That's exactly. You're so right to say that. But so, yeah, exactly. It's interpretation and not translation. Yeah. It's yeah, it's very interesting. And then there is. Some loose, looser translation, I guess maybe it's attributed to this Sarah strut, which is, it would burst out of its skin like a star for its searing gaze penetrates your soul, the way you live. That's the end of the poem. That's crazy. Like, I just want to tear it into pieces that and so... throw it like confetti into the air. It I makes know, me that's crazy. so wow. Do you, um, why do you think this, poem in particular was like its translations were so much discussed like why this one in particular and i think that it probably let's uh you, you know a lot of that this poem is a description of the torso in a beautiful way uh that's um you know very uh lovely but all but also is just kind of a description it's a you know it's a poem of of a thing it's um it's almost an acrostic poem it's a poem piece of poem about a, about a piece of art that's kind of describing the art and then it takes that um incredible you know daring turn where we're sort of implicated in the poem and i feel like that's probably um where the discussion um sort of orbits is around that turn and um and how it's uh how and why it's it's making that last line so um that's got to be why if it had ended before that last line or um the last sentence of the last line uh it would probably just be a great rilke poem and not um so disgusted but i don't know i'm no expert on on that but it is a yeah i think that's a, a good good explanation I, w I was also thinking that maybe, I think I read that somewhere, but most of the words they use in, in German can have like um, double meanings. And so depending on how you interpret them, you would translate them differently, you know? Sure. Wow. Like, yeah. So we're I, missing I don't know. so much. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't speak <laughs> German, but I think the, yeah, I can Let's say. Let's go to our caller. <laughs> Hi. Hello, guten Morgen. Handal. Can you? I have a German friend who actually is also a writer and she loves poetry. So maybe we should have invited her. Can we call her? 
Because I think she's away, but... Um, but patch her in. She could definitely, she would have loved this. Anyway, but yeah, I think I read something like that and they had like almost opposite meaning. I think when um, at the beginning of the second stanza where they say in German, der Bug der Bruce, it's the something of the chest. And in English, it was translated as just the curved breast. Sorry, I meant breast, not chest. Um, the curved breast. But it doesn't say the curved breast. It says the something of the breast. Uh, and that something, from what I read, could have different meaning. And so depending on how your brain, uh, your whoa, yeah. feeling, want to interpret it, you would translate it differently. Mm. And I think it goes the same way with two or three other words in the German version of it. Yeah. And so maybe that's why there were so many like debates on how to translate the poem and how to interpret it, you know. Yeah, I'm actually really sorry that we're not German speakers. Right, to get this line. <laughs> I mean, bug de brust dick blenden. Really? <laughs> that's that's the curved I, breast I, part? I mean, I we're just, missing something. I just really. know from my from my little German knowledge that this is der Bug der Brust is the breast something. Um der Bug. I don't know where the der Bug is, whatever. Nobody knows, so... Um. <laughs> oh, I just, it's amazing. I, it's so hard to capture the, the t t linguistically the turn of the otherwise, right? They're t we're talking about had, it, had there been a head, we could only sort of focus on the, the face and yeah. seeing otherwise, it. Otherwise, otherwise. They say it in French also, it's sinon, sinon. Mm. Uh, what is the German one? Zonst. It seems like it's zonst because it's repeated twice. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, the rock again, again, else I could not. Else would. Such a it's a that uh, archaic turn, but um, else could not. Yeah, true. Or else. It's such a interesting poem. It's like um, so. Um, it's such a. I mean, at the end, it's sort of like that. We were looking at a. It's so clear we're looking at a fragment, right? It's a fragment, but it's whole in some way, being a fragment. And then at the end, sort of we're now like um, being told that we have to change, that we're not whole or something. Like we're the fragment, even though probably we've got the head and the Yeah, I was, I was going to ask that. It's just so amazing. I was going to ask you how you would interpret the last line, because you talked about it several times. And... um. Yeah, you just said it, but if you want to say more about... Yeah, I what, think you need to... What the last line means it. to you. You need to get a divorce, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you interpret it. <laughs> or you need to move to France. Yeah. No, right. Yeah, yeah I think that's... I think, yeah. If somebody's done the bubble of a decision, I think they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're definitely speaking to me. It's interesting. I thought about that when I was reading the Rilke and he had gone through this experience with Rodin. He was really struggling to try to figure out how to be an artist. And I, and I think Rodin was pummeling into him that he it was a, had to do with work, work. You have to work, constant work. And, and he was just trying to be this pure, authentic version of an artist by digging into the work at the expense of everything else in his life, his wife children and any kind of comfort and and I think he was just really struggling with trying to figure out how do I 
do that? How do I immerse completely into the life of an artist? And he saw that, you know, beautiful torso. Again, just a remnant, I think, not by an artist or Rodin or anything, but, um, uh, and, and, and that I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of speculating that that came to him, that this is, you know, I, I have to achieve this. And in order to do that, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Oh my God. Don't, I'm like, as I'm saying this, I'm like, this is so, uh, relevant to every five minutes of my life. I think it's it's probably relevant to many, many people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As you sort of drive home in your car from your nine to five job or whatever your situation is just like, Huh? <laughs> I know. I, I mean, that's, that's so... life. And, but what? You, but it's when you whatever. Like if you're in American Beauty, you see the bag flopping through the air in the wind, <laughs> or you're seeing a child playing hopscotch. You've got to see that thing that you speaks to you, and then you, of course, say that line, which is <laughs> reform, reform. <laughs> I have many people around me who are great avid readers but they struggle with poetry and you know that too because as a poet yourself you know how it's hard like to get published and it's not very it's i'm not gonna say it's a niche but kind of like not so many people read poetry right oh yeah it's a, it's a tough it's thing. like it's, it's, it's widely hated you're in your sure. own bubble like yeah. between writers and readers in the poetry yeah. world and so oh, it's, yeah. it's really hard and yeah I don't and know then also the it's reason... one of those things we have to bring to the world for some reason like we don't like everybody must sculpt that doesn't happen but yes. for some reason we need poems on sides of buses and everybody can write it and it, that annoys me a bit <laughs> i know i totally un- un- understand what you're saying well you know that i practice yoga regularly and some of these teachers like to start the class or end the class with a poem and I that's know. nice <laughs> right because right. I mean, we all need nice. to have poetry in yeah. our life but so it becomes this thing that like, oh, it's a poem. We're going to read it so yeah. we can relax and it can make you think about blah, blah, blah in your life. Sure, and But sure. there's so much more to it, right? Yeah, that's interesting <laughs> too. That's, that's just, we could talk probably more about that because it it's sort of starts to reinforce the idea that poetry is like an aphorism or something. Exactly. Like you can sort of yeah. dwell on and yeah. learn a thing from, which is hard for me. I won't go on a tear, but as a writer that sits down to write a poem I often think do I have to have this knowledge of the world to be able to say anything uh do I have to be a good person do I have to uh be able to unlock the insights of the world in order to speak and say (laughs) my experience and and that's sort of what sometimes it feels like when these poems are these little um uh riddles and um meaningful lessons and that kind of thing yeah i understand what i understand what you're saying so i know your questions were completely rhetorical but (laughs) i I (laughs) think you just need to be a human being to be able to write whatever you're writing um but it's true that i mean yeah again in my in my yoga classes when they read these poems it sometimes feels like the person who, who wrote the the poem they're reading had some key knowledge or some secret knowledge that we don't have access to mm. and they're transmitting these messages to us mm-hmm. you know mm. 
Yeah. It's very yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It is very. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. And, uh, to, and to not, and of course, it's where nobody understands it. Oh, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Which I always, I think, is sort of like, well, I don't really understand uh, jazz. Yeah. Unless I really get, you yeah. know, exposed to it a lot, and then I start to really understand yeah. it. But like, you don't. It's not an automatic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I you're totally not born agree. with an understanding of. <laughs> but that's so interesting. So you you think that maybe we should make it requires more effort than reading a novel. It's something you really have to be interested in. Um, I do think you have yeah. to have a foundation of a knowledge about what the language of poetry, poetry is. So you can yeah. recognize what someone's doing in that. Otherwise, yeah, I can see it's it's not very uh, interesting. Yeah, no, I totally understand. And we have so many, it has so many different connotations too like if if you think about poems you think about the poems you study in primary school you know i don't know if it's the same here but in france we have to learn all these poems by heart oh. and kind of recite them you know oh, that's, so it's that's like a so school French. thing it, yeah, it, yeah. oh you don't do that here i mean i don't know i'm gonna that's guess we, that, that's probably not done oh my god that is so interesting that's such a french thing well it used to be when i was in primary school so we would read Poems, That's mostly really wonderful. mostly children's poems by these uh, French writers, and we would have to learn them by heart, and then we would recite them, and we would get grades on this. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I was really good at that. I really enjoyed it. And anyway, and and then that solved. Nothing. I don't think we really study poetry in middle school. I don't remember it. We do in high school, but then we stop French after the second year of high school. So unless you go to college and study, uh, I don't know, literary something, you're done with poetry. And it's not really advertised in like normal life, the way movies or like novels are, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. but that reinforces the preconceived idea, ideas that people have about poetry because it's like, it's inaccessible. I have to mm -hmm. be super smart to read it. I have to be blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think it's a pity. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, right. <laughs> right. But I also think that it's true. It is, you don't have, you have to put maybe some work into understanding it. Yeah. Sure. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be accessible to be a, an art form. But I know, you know, I never, I, I don't, there's so much I don't understand about art. <laughs> I mean, like, like most yeah. everything. And, but to go, uh, to go look at a canvas that's, you know, completely painted acre and it's got like a red dot up in the corner. I like, know. I'm, you know, you gotta go, eh, really? But then that's when somebody says like, well, this is a part of a series of someone sort of finding herself on the horizon and the, you know, I understand kind of yeah. where it's placed and yeah. historically and culturally and, and then it speaks to you. And so... I, the you same have, thing would apply for right? poetry, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you have to place the painting in its historical and social context. It's not just the painting, it's everything that goes with it. It's everything, right? That's what you're saying. But yeah. so would you have some encouraging words for people out there who are like, I would love to read more poetry, but I'm like intimidated and I don't think I'm smart enough or whatever. Well... <laughs> 
<laughs> That's, see, I'm the, I'm the worst person to ask because I would say, like, you don't have to. Like, go, you know, yeah. do um, square dancing on Saturdays instead. I don't, you know, it doesn't, I don't feel like the world has to. That's true. Be exposed to it. That's a good answer. Actually. I'm sorry. That is not, a, I'm not a, not being a very good ambassador. Yeah, but I think that's poetry. a good answer. You shouldn't force yourself if it doesn't come to you naturally, right? Why would you force yourself to read poetry and not to, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, tw something I, else. I'm torn. Because you might say, well, read a lot of Billy Collins or, and Charles Bukowski. And that, you can do that. And you might enjoy that so a lot. Do you think, and I don't know if that's the right answer. I kind of don't think it is. <laughs> and so <laughs> what, which, like, which poets or which book of poetry would you recommend to someone who is just starting, let's say? challenging question i'm die. i want to kill you right now this really is, you know this is a terrible area of questioning for me okay <laughs> you don't have to answer we can cut it uh, it's hard yeah well you know uh there's um there are a lot of really great contemporary poets writing today they're uh young and uh poc and uh come from diverse backgrounds and um and uh there is a lot on um uh, the bookcases now that you don't have to dig as deep as it probably used to and i would go sit there and pull a few off the shelf and flip uh through them and um see what catches your soul that's great <laughs> Okay, so thank you for listening to us. Dankeschön, right? Dankeschön. Dankeschön, bitteschön. And uh, we'll see you, I mean, we won't see you, but we'll share this next podcast with you. Oui, mañana. Ma <laughs> <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Pardon My French is produced by Michelle Lewis. Engineering and audio production by David Brubaker at Off-Road Music Studio. 